Welcome to Strange Magic and the Sun Card. It's a few days before solstice, so it's especially fitting that we're bringing you the Sun Card as winter solstice marks the return of the sun. To hear more about solstice and some rituals to celebrate it, check out last week's episode. But in the meantime, stay tuned and do like they do in hair and let the sunshine in. Here at Strange Magic, Amanda and I talk about our views on tarot and the ways in which we practice magic. And we understand that other people have different ways of practicing and different interpretations of the tarot, and that's totally okay. Take what you'd like and leave the rest. Hi, Amanda. It's such a pleasure to see your sun shining face today. It's such a pleasure to be here talking about the sun card. It's such a gorgeous, juicy, beautiful card. I love this card so much. I think the thing I just like the most about it is that sometimes it does not have to be complicated. It does not have to be hard. Sometimes we just get to enjoy life. And that is what the sun card can be about. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be layered. It can just be fun and joyful. And we're going to get into all of that today on the show. What a relief. I'm glad to be in this space, in the space of the sun. Well, so why should people care about this card? If you're really interested in working with the power of your own aligned energy and you want to have the sun make its solar magic work with and for you. Yes. And when you're ready to step into your confidence and let your inner light shine. Oh, yes. Maybe they need some support through a rebirthing process and they're ready to shift their consciousness towards the light. Mm -mm. Yeah. Healing issues related to self-worth can also be a subject of this delightful card. Absolutely. So let's just get into sort of what the basics of the visuals of this card are, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. We've got set out before us here the Rider Waite Coleman Smith version of the card and the Thoth version of the card. Sarah, do you want to tackle the Rider Waite Coleman Smith? Sure, yeah. So Obviously, we see a gorgeous, beautiful, beaming sun in the background of this card. It is daytime. There are beautiful, tall sunflowers. There is a wall behind a really sweet looking, really innocent, super naked little (laughs) baby that is just bouncing on a racing horse with its arms outstretched. There's some kind of like cape that sort of also reads as like a victory flag and it's red and it's just a very vibrant bright feeling card what do you have uh, do you have anything else for that that you wanted to add yeah i think it's important to know the beams coming out of the sun 
some of the beams are straight and some of them are wiggly. But aside from that, I think that was a beautiful description of that card. I love your description of the child. It's just like riding on that horse. We're all the child. Yes, we are. The Toth deck. Oh my God, it's such a beautiful card. It's one of my absolute favorites. We see the sun a big blazing yellow orange sun and it's almost like a rose in shape because there's layers and layers and concentric circles almost like petals opening and it's shooting sunbeams across the card over a green hill with what looks kind of like a snake crown around it which might also be like a red snaky wall there's two dancing cherubs that are like children with butterfly wings dancing as if to say, huzzah, the sun has arrived. And then around the edge of the card is this beautiful pastel rainbow emblazoned with all the symbols of the zodiac. And you really can't look at this image without feeling joyful. At least I can't. It's so beautiful. I also really love that the Toth deck version really gives a nod to the original Marseille version of this card where it's very simple. You can look it up. You can Google it, um, listeners. There are two figures that look to be playing and in the background is just the sun. And I've read that some interpretations of these two children are the figures in the Garden of Eden and the lover's card before they're like grown up. So it's giving this real innocent, collaborative, communal sort of play, which I really love about this card. Because of course, when we're feeling so joyful and alive, we want to celebrate it with other people. I also really love the Slow Hollers rendition of this card. And in that rendition, there's like a phoenix looking rooster. And that reminds me of both waking up being resurrected, being rebirthed, which also point to some of the themes in this card. Mm, I love it. I love that idea of the rooster. That is perfect and so appropriate, especially thinking about it as a phoenix kind of a rooster, sort of being reborn from your own ashes. Also thinking about, like you said, I hadn't really thought of the angels as being the child versions of the people in the lover's card or in the devil card, but that makes so much sense to me because it could also be sort of before or after, like before they're grown or after their rebirth. So that yeah. is great. We're all just babies yeah, trying to dance in the sun. So let's get into a few of the symbols. Why don't you start? Well, yeah. So I think that we might be addressing some of the same symbols. When I was looking at this card, I just got really attracted to both the horse and the wall. So I want to start with the horse. One of the things I noticed, I was thinking, where have we seen this white horse before? And of course, we have to remember that it appears in the death card as well, where a skeleton in black armor sits astride it, in the death card version, he's laying waste to armies, king and pope alike. But now, unlike in the death card, the child astride the horse does not need armor because they ride bareback, naked, vulnerable, open, some, and joyful. Some chafing right there. Right. On. I mean, it might be Real hard talk. to ride a horse bareback and naked. But yeah, so there's a clear relationship with the death card implied by the imagery here. In the traditional tarot, the Tarot of Marseille, death does not ride a horse. But in the writer Waite Coleman Smith, it's building on kind of later Christian iconography. 
Uh, one of the things I think is really interesting, though, is how it speaks to in the book of Revelations, how there's four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they come riding in on different colored horses, and the pale rider on the white horse is death. Also interesting to note that in the same book, in the book of Revelations, Christ also rides a white horse. It says in that book, Jesus, who refuses to give his name, appears with eyes of fire, riding a white horse with a robe dripping in blood and leads the army of heaven, basically against the sinful, which is pretty strange. A little bit of a graphic vibe going on there. (laughs) pretty intense. But also in that same book, the pre-Christian sun goddess of Babylon is also mentioned, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon beneath her feet. What I'm getting at here is that there's this long relationship between life and death and rebirth and reemergence that goes back both in the Bible and to pre-biblical times, such as the goddesses and gods of Babylon And I think that's really interesting how that's addressed or comes up in this idea of the horse. What do you think about that horse? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that's what I had to say, too. It's the second horse we see in the major arcana and the only other horse we see is in the death card. But I'm glad that you talked a little bit about the Bible, because as we know, the art director of this deck was a Christian mystic. And because of that, a lot of the images in this particular deck really do reference Christian mythology. Also, we know, even though this baby implies a certain someone we know named Jesus, (laughs) maybe, we also know that, as you said, Amanda, for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years before that, leaders of groups of communities, the heads of nation states, often were chosen or often had some sort of relationship with their ability to commune directly with the sun, the sun god, whatever that is. So we can open this up into a sort of thinking about this card as being able to have this direct connect line with divinity, with life force, with joy, with power, we can think about that for ourselves and we can think about for how often, you know, through the millennia, humankind has revered, has worshipped the sun, the brightest star in our universe. There it is. Mm, yeah, that's so fascinating. Actually, while you were speaking, I was thinking about that blood connection and thinking about how in many cultures like blood symbolizes life force or symbolizes the fertility of the land. And I love the idea of, of thinking about also the South, which we were gonna, I'm going to address in a little bit later about like the South, fire, blood, all these vital life forces that are embodied in this card. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I wanted to just kind of call out, just because it's a little bit, I mean, <laughs> I guess all the symbology is a little bit strange in the tarot. But in this card, we have this wall, which is different than other versions of this card that preceded it. And this wall, we can interpret as a challenge being overcome. This wall, we can see as a hurdle being overtaken, overcome. We can see it also, I would sort of interpret, but that's just me right here, right now, as leaving the garden, leaving the confines, leaving behind a life that maybe didn't quite suit us, moving forth, not being afraid to leave safety or to leave the known 
in service of what we now know is true, is real, is invigorating, is imaginative, and is the source that is leading us forth. That's kind of my interpretation of the wall. Did you have a thought on that? Yeah, you know, I was really excited about that wall too. I I kind of hadn't really thought about it that much before, but then when I was looking at it and wanting to talk about it, it just came to life. And I, I came to a lot of similar conclusions. I was thinking about where else do we see walls in the tarot? And I was thinking, of course, about the tower walls, which crumble, or we see in the moon where we see the towers or the citadels in the background, and we choose not to go inside them. Walls represent structures, boundaries, obstacles, containers. They make us secure, but they also limit us and separate us. In the minor arcana, it's common to see a walled garden. The garden, I think, referring to the Garden of Eden, which is essentially utopia, where all our needs are taken care of, where there's no shame, where we don't see ourselves as separate. And what I think is interesting here about this wall is like we don't really know for sure if they're on the inside or the outside of the wall, right? It could be that they've sort of left behind the Garden of Eden and kind of come out into the Mm. world or they're inside. They've returned somehow to this utopian place. What I think is interesting is how Paul Foster Case refers to walls when he's talking about this card as human speech. And speech, of course, brings awareness and consciousness, but also separation. It's how we define our world. Speech allows for growth in culture, but it also represents reality. So in a way, it separates us from direct experience of reality. I'm thinking about how when we liberate ourselves from these walls, we can reconnect to a direct experience of reality, which is also enlightenment. This card is all about literally bringing the light. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I also love the idea of are we going back into the garden? Are we leaving it? It makes me think of Candide. It makes me think of the hero's journey. It makes me think of there being a homecoming always back to finding ourselves. It also, I just also really love just the vibe of like riding away on a horse, which symbolizes freedom and movement and power and travel, riding away from your obstacles joyfully. Yeah, that's so true. And you know what, you really inspired me just to think about bringing up Candide, which is a book by Voltaire. And it's really about this idea of like innocence or like goodness. Is it possible to be good in a corrupt world? Thinking about how this card really does represent a kind of innocence. Obviously, we see the child or the cherubs or the angels dancing. But I think it's interesting that it comes so late in the major arcana because it's not like the fool who is innocent because they don't know. It comes late after you've been through the dark night of the soul. You've confronted the devil. You've been a hermit. You've done all this stuff. And now you're returning to this state of innocence. I think that's really fascinating. So let's move into some of the more symbolic aspects such as the numerology, the astrology. What do you think, Sarah? Anything get inspired for you there? Yeah, I just wanted to bring up the correlation of the other cards in the major arcana and the sun 
The cards that traditionally correspond to the sun in the major arcana are the magician and the wheel of fortune. But of course, as you were speaking, Amanda, I'm also like, huh, let's call in the chariot. Hmm, let's think about death, lay them all out. But I'm only going to talk about the magician and the wheel of fortune because they share similar. Well, there's also the hermit too because of the nine. I'm not going to get to in that, but um, they share similar numerologies. What all the cards have, the magician, the wheel of fortune, and the sun, what they all have in common is that they tend to be about energy, focus, awareness, and movement forged in choice. Now, what I love about the sun card and what I think is pretty distinctly different about this card than these other two is, as you said, Amanda, there's this real blossoming of innocence and unbridled movement around the themes of this card that are a bit different than some of the themes of control that can come up in the magician in the Wheel of Fortune. Because in the magician, we are thinking about our own personal uses of energy and control. We're thinking about will. We're thinking about utilizing our power and name of our identity and our desires, about using that in the external world. The Wheel of Fortune sometimes can be about needing to meet the external circumstances around you and at times having to make a choice to stay centered within seeming chaos. In the Sun card, we don't need to hold so tight because we are in alignment. We are already tapped into the source of our own particular consciousness. So everything in our lives are illuminated and we can really tap into and feel a part of the collective web of energy that is the universe. Yes, yes, yes. High five. I wanted to think about the sun in astrology. Most people who think about astrology at least know their sun sign because the sun travels through the zodiac. And when it enters into a new sign, wherever the sun was during the month of your birth, that's your sun sign. And your sun sign generally represents your identity, your sense of self. I love how in the Doth deck, the sun appears there at the center of this circle of the zodiac. It also really inspires me because the signs of the zodiac correspond to many of the major arcana. We can imagine this light, this solar light, this self moving through the cards of the major arcana and illuminating them. And so I see the sun here as like your true self, your holy guardian angel, the part of you that is not sullied by the corrupt influences of this world and moves through all of the archetypes of the major arcana with joy and brightness and true sense of self and purpose. I love that so much. As you were speaking, of course, I started thinking about the sun in astrology as it pertains to identity, right? Mm. Like a lot of pretty traditional Western astrology says the sun is your personality. Mm. It's your character. It's what you sort of lead with. It correlates with a lot of your own potentiality and also your sort of essence. But the way that I really love to work with astrology and my world, we would like drop whatever affixations we had 
with our own particular sun sign and we would really step into and move into the energy of each of the signs in the zodiac throughout the year so that we can really experiment with each of those essences and flavors we can really tap into and in doing so we then all become part of the collective because the other thing i think that this sort of brings up this card the sun card is this idea of identity. Mm. And I think what this card suggests is it is at once fixed, i.e. the source of who you are, your essence, your innocence, before the world corrupts you, before you have heartbreak and you know struggle and trauma and before people tell you who you are, right? Because so many of us are really trying to figure out who are we outside of the pointing figures and society and the media and all of these projections of other people who may not even have the time to even listen to who we really are, pay attention to, it suggests it's fixed, but also it suggests that it's mutable. It suggests that we can make it up as we go along and that we aren't just the sum of where we came from or what day we were born on or what our mother told us who we were were or what our father told us they wanted us to be in the world. All of the other things. So that's what I think is so fascinating and interesting about this card. It really asks us to sort of lead with our own soul essence and that in itself is based upon the choices we can make with our own focused energy. Mm -mm, I'm just twinkling my fingers so much here. As you're speaking, what that really brought up for me was that idea of collectivity as you're speaking to, you know, yeah, we have our own sun sign, but the sun does travel through all the signs of the zodiac and we get to experience the energies of each of those signs. This card for me really does speak to the idea of collectivity. It's not just about the individual self. It's about the source of all light and life and connecting to that as a kind of universal consciousness simultaneously as really allowing us space to show our specialness, our uniqueness, our own true individuality in concert and collaboration with the totality of being. So this card really goes. We love it. basic principles if you bust open your little white book what do we expect to find there finally some good news <laughs> good fortune good omens like in general in general obviously if this card was surrounded by different cards in a reading the flavor will change but yeah it's good fortune good omens it's like keep going like what you're feeling like you want to do try it and it's probably going to end up really working in your favor mm, yes I actually literally just did look in my little white book and said, what did I have to say? Uh -huh. Well, in the Rider Waite Coleman Smith little white book, it's like material happiness, fortunate marriage, contentment. In Thoth, typically, it's a little more grouchy. It does, say, it does say things like glory, gain, riches, triumph, pleasure. It also says things like vanity, recovery from sickness, which is good, but also sometimes sudden death. Maybe not so good. I love that. I love that Toth can make the sun card about death. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a, there's I mean, a there correlation, is. but like, come on it. now. I know. I do. I actually do think that's there, but the, I was very surprised to see that. Can also indicate children coming into the picture, like mm -hmm. if you're going to be literal about it. 
jobs that are oriented towards community or bringing awareness, creativity, solar power. Ironically, as I was preparing to do this episode, a salesman came to my door selling solar panels. <laughs> Time to sign up then. Right. That's a yes. I mean, it's a really good sign. And also family, chosen family and coming out of the closet, letting yourself shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally like that. I'm coming out song, you know, I want the world to know. Yes. Yeah, it's about rebirth, growth, travel, movement. To be pretty literal, this will come up sometimes in client readings when they're either needing to take a vacation, wanting to take a vacation, or interested in some kind of life change that affords them to travel more and maybe leave their desk. This can be about what you're growing, what you want to foster literally and or figuratively. Uh, Those are kind of some other basic meanings of this card. I wanted to talk a bit about the sun card and the gifts of knowing yourself with that sort of identity theme I was speaking about earlier. The sun card can be about really knowing yourself, about knowing your truth, and about being able to access your own source energy freely. When that happens, we can see in a way that we could not previously. I think about that song too, like I can see clearly now the rain is gone, right? Our sight can become holographic. It goes beyond the tangible. It goes past any snags or mental trappings that we make up to try to stop us. And it can help give us solutions to any challenges we may have. When this happens, we can be connected to all possibilities and we can access a really engaged potent form of our consciousness, which in turn ignites our personal power. It can become a very truthful, energetic light loop once we can plug into our own source, our own knowledge of self. The sun is the first element. It's fire. It's responsible for life on this planet as we know us. The sun card makes us accountable to our own life, our own life force in a generative joyful way. We really begin to know and accept and appreciate who we are. I want to bring in this idea of radical acceptance because the sun is right underneath the hanged one. And we talked a lot about radical acceptance, but this is like radical acceptance in a much less uncomfortable way than the hanged one, right? We're no longer concerned with false connections or false ways of being. If you end up trying to be everything to everybody, you end up becoming nothing to yourself. And this ends up wasting our precious energy, our precious life force. The sun card is all about understanding that we know that all is sacred, that we are sacred as well. And part of the sacredness is choosing love and choosing to be in energetic alignment. The sun card can come up when you're ready to shed shame, when you're ready to be honest with yourself about all the ways in which you've been dimming your own light, all the ways you've been stopping the flow of your energy. It can be about truly knowing who you are, what you want, and moving forward with confidence because you are now being granted the opportunity to be in alignment with your truth and your path. It is so much about where we get to go. I think about 
that Dr. Seuss book, like, oh, the places you'll go. It is so much about where we get to go when we accept and really celebrate our own existence, our own life. So many opportunities open up to us once we decide to open up to what truly makes us feel alive. Part of being able to get to self-love and get to self-appreciation is being ready to truly engage in and appreciate the whole, all of the leaves of grass, all of the leaves on every tree. We can acknowledge that we're part of that whole as unique as everything else. The sun card is this call to get to be yourself without the masks of performativity or fear or all the other drama or distractions we will put up like the wall in the card to keep us away from our true self. If you get this card, think about writing down all the current walls or blocks that you perceive as keeping you from receiving your blessings or blocking you from moving forward in your dreams. Then think of a way to reframe those or really inquire, are these real or are these just a fear or distraction you're making up? Then try to connect to your source, your heart, your energy, what you're choosing to focus on. Let it ripple out. You become your own sun. So your entire body and your entire energy field is engaged. This is a card about open consciousness. Consciousness makes the disconnected connected. It is a card about unconditional honesty, about light intellect, about energetic intellect. And the awareness that comes when we realize we can make choices about our energy. We can place our attention on what we need to light up because we know the slogan where attention goes, energy flows. So if you're getting this card, know this is an affirmation that you are ready. You're ready to make choices. You're ready to take risks and step into a new engagement of life expression that comes from conscious energetic alignment. Hmm, that makes it sound really juicy. It sound, makes it sound really good to get the sun card. I love that idea of, you know, that you're being told that you can bring your life force energy to whatever you focus on and really open things up and illuminate it. So that's really beautiful. I mean, I think we get a lot of messages that we can't be ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think this card is an affirmation that we're much more powerful and we're much more generative when we are nothing but our true selves. Yeah, it's really, it's really saying you have something special within you. Let it shine. Let it be there. I actually was going to bring up some similar things about the sun is creative self-expression. As we know, the sun rules the sign of Leo, and Leo is the sign of creative self-expression. The sun card is all about confidence, another Leonine trait, one of the things we love Leos for. The sun card is all about shining one's light out upon the world. Little story for you, one time. As I was driving back from this hiking trip, I had a moment of enlightenment while stuck in a traffic jam on the freeway on my way back into town. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Everyone in LA knows that you're doing great. Right? You can be enlightened if on like can, the 110. If you can be enlightened on the 110, you truly are Yoda. The sunset over the freeway in all its traffic jam was so ridiculously beautiful. It was a symphony of pink and violet and arcs of brilliant golden light. And suddenly in that moment, I understood the sun's generosity. The sun is so beautiful. 
it shines out in all directions. It doesn't care who gets its light. It just shines. It doesn't charge. It doesn't sell tickets. It doesn't say you can't get in. There's a velvet rope here. The sun is setting over a traffic jam or a penthouse or a forest or a beach, and it will bring its beauty and power to all of these places in equal measure because sunlight is free. We can't ration it. We can't charge for it. It just shines. They're not going to be able to figure out how to sell it to us. Fingers crossed. Yeah, they're going to try, but it's not going to happen. The sun is more powerful than, quote unquote, them. The sun burns through radioactive explosion 4 million tons of matter per second. Just think about that for a second. And in a single hour, the amount of power from the sun that strikes the earth is more than the entire world consumes in a year. In an hour, we could power the entire world with the sun. And it just gives, it just does its thing, shining generously. How am I relating this to the card itself? Well, I'm thinking about how when you get the sun card, you're being called to think about where your energy comes from and what your internal resources are. When you get the sun card, it's often a signal that you have earned your confidence, that you can let your light shine and that your own brilliance, experience and unique inner nature is your true resource. And one of the things that tells me this is that the sun gives us life. It shines its light on our beautiful planet and plants transform that light and heat into energy. And then animals eat the plants and we all thrive on that light, essentially. We're all eating that light in some form. And as I was saying earlier, thinking about how the sun travels through the zodiac, illuminating the archetypes of each quadrant of the zodiac, when the sun appears in a reading, it could indicate that you're shining a light on something depending on what cards are next to it. So you're bringing awareness and creativity and heart to that area of your life. So when we say it's Sagittarius season, what we mean is that the sun is traveling through the sign of Sagittarius and we are celebrating and recognizing that. Also, historically, religion, which I think should fundamentally be about the celebration of the life force, is intrinsically related to the movement of the sun. The pyramids were built in alignment with the sun, as was Stonehenge and the Aztec temples of the sun and moon at Teotihuacan near Mexico City. All of these were built in honor of the sun and to talk about the solstices, which mark the time when the sun appears to stand still and then it changes direction. And in virtually every spiritual tradition, certainly indigenous traditions from around the world, this moment is marked and honored in some way. Many early monuments, such as the pyramids and stone cairns, were monuments to this moment. Obviously, it's quite a lot of effort to build a pyramid. This moment of the sun turning, of the sun doing something, must have been very important to our ancestors thinking about how the sun marks a turning point and the moment of solstice marks a turning point. It's a moment of celebration and triumph. Also, full courageous acknowledgement that these turning points are not permanent because the solstices also mark the time when like the darkness returns or the time of the return of the light, depending. 
It's death and, and rebirth. It's death and rebirth. Exactly. So the sun leaves us in darkness and it returns over and over again each morning. But through it all, it persists. It's something we can trust. It's a message of hope from the life force that we can trust the life force to persist and to exist. I just want to close out this little part with this idea about, well, actually, I have a few more things. First of all, a message from Carolyn Casey. One of the sun's lessons is that if we no longer have a ritual way to celebrate the heat of our passion, we end up with arson. And what she's referring to, which I think is really interesting, is that she's speaking of the many revolutions happened within days of Beltane, which is like the spring festival, which is the fire festival, the Russian revolution, the Los Angeles uprisings of 1992. And she talks about how this idea of veneration or celebration, these moments of beauty and appreciation or beauty are necessary to our world to create stability. And if we don't allow that force, essentially those moments of revolution happened because people were not allowed to shine their light forth because they were being oppressed by other folks. If we don't have a vehicle for our own beauty to shine, then we revolt. I think it's turn into really mean people. Yeah, sure. Exactly. If we don't have a vehicle for our creative self-expression, if we don't have a way to express the beauty of who we truly are to shine our light into the world, we might write it in some way. When the sun card appears, it is encouraging you to shine your light forth for the health of the world and do the thing that only you can do to give your light generously and confidently, to celebrate and honor your own beauty and the universal light that shines forth through you in your own specific expression that only you can give. When the sun card appears in the position of obstacle, it might be a signal that you are not giving your light to shine forth or that you need to do some work to develop your confidence. Because remember, true confidence only comes through practice. The sun is a signal that you need to get active and shine that light out. Yes, that is so wonderful. I love all of the things you brought up there. It makes me think about rolling jubilees and maples and uh, lots of things. That's so brilliant. That's awesome. I wanted to talk about the uses of the erotic and making pleasure a priority when this card comes up. I super love this card because in the Major Arcana, we don't have a lot of cards that look like a party. (laughs) And we get to almost the end of this journey. And finally, we have a party. It's like bring the balloons, like put on your, well, or take all your clothes off. I was going to say, put on your favorite pair of dancing shoes or not. We have a card that's just about joy, celebration, beauty, vision, optimism, Nine times out of 10, when you do get this card, it's a big yes, like I said before. Yes to living life. Yes to the choices you're making. Yes to surrounding ourselves with beauty. Yes to self-love. Yes, yes, yes. And I think at this time in human history, we need all the reminders of great big yeses we can get. So I love that this card shows us that this is possible. The sun card makes me think of the power of the erotic and about making pleasure a priority in our lives. And of course, obviously, I have to talk about Audre Lorde and her incredible 1978 speech that ended up turning into an essay called Uses of the Erotic, the Erotic as Power. I will link that in the show notes. 
Of course, I would also be remiss not to mention Adrian Marie Brown's 2019 book that came out earlier this year, Pleasure Activism. I'll link it too. This book takes this essay and really expands it into a whole thorough examination and praxis and theory and practice and all of that. I'll link that as well. I want to quote Lord. Audre Lorde says in this essay, The very word erotic comes from the Greek word eros, the personification of love in all its aspects, born of chaos and personifying creative power and harmony. For the erotic is not a question only of what we do. It is a question of how acutely and fully we can feel in the doing. Audre Lorde is speaking about the erotic as a charged space, a political space, an intellectual space, an embodied space, an activated space, as a space of power that exists outside of capitalism and the white supremacist patriarchy. She also writes, and this is very sun card, I want, I want you gentle listeners to pay attention to see the correlation between these words and the sun card. When we begin to live from within outward, in touch with the power of the erotic within ourselves, and allowing that power to inform and illuminate our actions upon the world around us, then we begin to be responsible to ourselves in the deepest sense. And I love this. And I also want to highlight this idea of ourselves I believe she's talking about ourselves, individual, and also ourselves, the collective. This is super sun card. Lord posits that the erotic connects us. It is this beautiful site of potentiality. And a strong theme that the sun card brings up is play, pleasure, enjoyment of life, living life in an erotic way where we're engaged with the wind, with laughter, with our imaginations within the moment. We need this engagement. We need this eroticism more now than ever. And gentle listener, if you are going through a hard time or you get this card and you're kind of going through a hard time and you don't really understand what it could mean, you have to start beginning with living as erotic. You have to start beginning the little moments because life can be about making choices to bring beauty into our everyday world, to bring a sense of the erotic into our everyday. Cutting a lemon in your water can be this. Going on a short walk before you start your day could be this. You get to define what this means for you. The work of Esther Perel also engages in the erotic, which she calls, and I quote, an antidote to death. Perel calls eroticism as being about how people connect to this quality of aliveness, vibrancy, vitality, renewal. She says living erotically is actually a spiritual, mystical experience of life. Esther Perel was introduced to me recently when I was on vacation, very sun card, with my family by my sister-in-law, Susie. Hi, Susie. I love you if you're listening to this. We tried to invoke the erotic whenever we could. We'd be on a boat. There were dolphins all around us, and we'd yell, this is so erotic. Or we'd be eating delicious food at dinner, engaging with all our senses, and we'd say, these enchiladas are erotic. You can begin practicing this in your own life what engages the erotic? Is it your senses? Is it your smell? Is it touch? Is it looking into someone's eyes? Is it having 
really soft clothes against you? What constitutes the erotic for you? The sun card is about reaching for pleasure unabashedly without guilt, without shame. The sun card is about embodying our aliveness. So if you get this card, really try to make pleasure and eroticism a priority and then see what ends up happening. Mm, so wonderful. I love that so much. I really do see that too, as the erotic is being fully present in life and really experiencing it. And that means the whole scope of what it is to be here. You know, all of the sensory experiences, all of the full flush and blush and bloom, decay and falling away and rising back up of what it means to be incarnated. And I love that idea of the erotic as kind of an antidote to death, especially because what I was going to talk about was the relationship between the sun and the death card. And I really do see that essentially what the sun card is doing is saying there is no death because we're here in the now. In life, the universe is life. Life changes form. It passes away and rises from its own ashes. But the wall that separates life and death is an illusion. The sun can't be blocked out by walls. It's above that, right? Like, I mean, it could, like, obviously, and you're in a dark room, whatever. But what we're saying is, like, you can't build a wall high enough that can block out the sun. I was thinking about how the Pyramid of the Sun in Teotihuacan is on the avenue of the dead. It's at the end of the avenue of the dead. I think that's really interesting. And the, the pyramids that were built in Egypt to Ra or to the Pharaoh, who's the embodiment of God, were tombs. We're about bringing them into the realm of death. I think also about the idea of fruitfulness and desertification, both of which come from the sun, right? Like the sun brings fertility to the land, but when it shines and beats down too brightly, then it, it brings desert. And I'm thinking about the horse and the child and thinking about how death too represents liberation from the limits of physical matter and circumstances. This idea of liberation is embodied in the sun card as in this case, we see life and death as part of the same cycle, the same spiral. And so in a sense, it's truly mystical because in the sun card, we're able to take truly take joy in whatever is happening. And it's not just an acceptance of the great reality as in the devil card where we're like, yeah, we're in material world and there's corruption here and we can deal with that. But it's more like it's a state of bliss. And most mystics say when they're experiencing enlightenment that it comes in like these waves of eternal bliss. And essentially what that's saying is no separation, no separation between themselves and the universal. And what's so beautiful about that to me, though, gets back at this idea of particularity of our true specialness. So for instance, thinking about the erotic is really about recognizing the true uniqueness and individuality of something. So for instance, this apple, noticing this special apple, it's not just apple generic language. It's this one that maybe has different blush of color, or maybe it's a weird shape, or, you know, it has a specific taste. It comes from a specific place. There's this specificity that is true beauty and is true eroticism. And that's the same as like the erotic between people. It's not just 
lover, but it's like your lover, your specific special lover. Like they talk about in um, The Little Prince of like the flowers, like the rose is like yours in all the world. It's not just a rose, like any rose. It's your specific rose. It's your relationship to that rose. What I'm getting at here is that the sun card ultimately is I don't want to say triumph over death because I think that makes death seem like something that is bad and wrong and that we should avoid. It's kind of an awareness of its illusory quality. And what's interesting to me about that too is that leads us into the next card, which is judgment, which is all about resurrection. Yeah, I love that so much. As you were talking about sight and vision and particularity, I also am and looking at an apple or a flower, a rose is one way that I sort of will do a magical practice of sorts. What I do is I'll try to do a close looking or read of a very particular flower. Like if I buy flowers, I'll just sit with that. And it's an active meditation where I'm literally going into the flower, really addressing the flower, really slowing down time, really trying to count the little markings on it, really trying to go in deep with this living creature as a way of collecting beauty, as a way of communing. And I was reading, and this, I promise this has a point with the sun and sight and vision and illumination. I was reading recently in some like science mag or something, and I didn't know this, like we can only maybe see human eyes can maybe only if we're sighted, we can maybe only see like hundreds of colors, but insects can see thousands really? or millions of colors yeah wow. they they have a different literal makeup with their eyes they're really see like even what we're seeing is beyond the material or even what we there's this holographic way of seeing that if we want to become or if we want to at least practice illumination practice enlightenment practice seeing beyond, right? Seeing beyond that wall of what we think with our perception or with our limited thinking. The sun can really help us in one way is to sort of think about how we see, why we see, what we're seeing, what we can't see, all of these kinds of things to kind of bring us into a more holographic way of existence. And as you were speaking, that just reminded me of that connection. Totally. Yeah. I mean, light is what makes sight possible. I wonder if that even goes beyond, like you're saying, like the sighted, but there's something, it makes life possible is this heat life force that awakens, this awakening force. It's, uh, I, I mean, I we're spending the day. rest of our lives thinking about that. So, Amanda, do you want to do some shadow time with us? Yes, I do. I want to dive into the sun shadows. Okay, so shadow time. I wanted to open this up thinking about, this is pretty literal, the sun king, Louis Fourteenth, Louis Catorze of France. I want to tell you some stories about this man. The reason he's called the sun king, people say there's different reasons, but the reason why I think it is, and it seems pretty obvious, is because... He played the sun, like he literally played the sun character. He dressed up like the sun in a sun costume in these elaborate court ballets. Some of the first ballets in Europe were not performed by ballerinas. They were performed by the lords and ladies of the court themselves. Mm. Did you know this? I learned something new every day and this is what I learned. Yeah, this is what we learned. Okay, so I learned about this in undergrad, you know, in dance school, that Louis XIV was a really good dancer. 
And he would play the sun in these astrological ballets. The lords and ladies would have to dress up like the planets and comets and things like that. And they would revolve around him. They would dance around him essentially in a circle. I remember learning in dance school that the courtiers were often so busy practicing the moves of these ballets so they wouldn't look like fools and trip all over themselves at these parties that they barely had time to govern. I remember reading a letter that one of his lords wrote saying that exact thing in in France, like in, I think it was like the 17th century or something. It was like, we don't have time to do our work because we have to practice these court ballets all the time. But that was also intentional. So this was filling two functions for Louis Fourteenth. First function, he looks great. I mean, he's a good dancer. It's easy for him. He doesn't have to practice that much. And he looks really great as the sun king in the center of these ballets. But also it meant that the lords couldn't revolt. They couldn't resist him as much. They had to constantly be doing this thing so that they wouldn't look like a fool. They couldn't really think about and scheme about how to overthrow him. And I think that's important because think about what Louis XIV did. He was really responsible for centralizing power in France, which means taking it out of the hands of the more local governments that were able to serve the needs of their people more and centralizing it at his palace at Versailles. Now, Versailles is literally the most decadent palace you could imagine. Mirrors and gold and gilding, and it's centralizing all the wealth in this one palace. And he made all the courtiers come and live in this palace with him instead of on their land where they could deal with like, oh, this person stole my goats or whatever. It's also important to note that the palace of Versailles and also the whole court of Louis XIV was funded by the exploitation of slave labor and extraction of wealth from the lands in the Americas. I see that kind of egocentrism and lack of care and community solidarity as a major sun shadow side here. On the surface, it looks really beautiful. You know, these fancy ballets and the lights and the dancing. And we watch movies about it. And we love to look at these period dramas. But what's going on behind that is absolute oppression, extraction, enslavement, that's like hidden, the hidden cost of this fundamental egocentricity. So voila, as the French would say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that goes right into one I had, which is sort of having cloudy vision, so to speak, which can show up through not seeing the bigger picture, like being very short-sighted in what you're doing in the moment, being really reactionary, overconfidence, ego trappings, narcissistic tendencies, such as that dude that you were just talking about. (laughs) If it's not you, it could be someone else that you're dealing with. Maybe you're dealing in a situation where either yourself or someone else is unable to take accountability really within that is believing we know everything about who we are we know everything about who other people are and when we find ourselves operating from that place we aren't breaking through that wall in the background we're being entrapped by our own defenses and stubborn protection devices that's definitely in line with a shadow of this card do you have another one that yes that is an excellent point yes i do have another one i also wanted to discuss love and light spiritual bypassing just because you can't see the shadows doesn't mean they aren't there i want to just talk a little bit about what this means 
love and light spiritual bypassing, for those of you who don't know, is when you tell someone who's experiencing systemic oppression that has been going on for generations before they were born and is literally entrenched in the institutions of their culture, for instance, people of color, women resisting rape culture, or class struggles, that the problem is really about their attitude or that or the fact that they even are noticing and saying that something is wrong is is wrong in itself. They're not supposed to notice. They're not supposed to see their oppression because they're supposed to be focusing on love and light. They're supposed to be focusing on the positive and the things they want to get basically through white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. True love is about protecting and celebrating the things we hold most sacred, not gaslighting it. Also, True light is about illumination and being willing to really see. Light is what gives us sight. So if we're not seeing it, then we're not really as enlightened as we think we are. We're supposed to be bringing that light to nourish the world, not to pretend like suffering doesn't exist. I want to say one more thing about this. I want to tackle this idea of light as associated somehow with whiteness because that's really troubling. First of all, whiteness is a construct It's a cultural and legal term used to suggest basically that people with pink skin tones are superior and deserve more rights than anyone else. And while that concept is ridiculous, its practice is deadly and destructive. Whereas pure light, light from the sun, pure radiance has nothing to do with race. That is a correspondence purely created through language and law specifically for the benefit of white people. So language For instance, legal language that condones segregation before the era of civil rights becomes the wall that divides people into races, for instance, or divides humans from the more than human world or human civilization from nature. That wall we see in the sun card, and which I think we have moved beyond, I hope, or somehow risen above, It's not that we don't see color or race, but that we see and celebrate our differences and recognize that our differences bring us strength as a species and that those differences do not overpower our similarities as human beings and creatures of the earth. Ultimately, the sun is, as we've been saying, about love and love is an action, which means we defend and protect and celebrate all the beings of our world. We don't elevate one over the other. It's really important, I think, to say that white people do not own the sun or light. And so this idea that light equals whiteness, I think, is really outrageous and offensive because then you can't even say the word light, which refers to the sun, which we have to, I think, acknowledge that most of the cultures or many of the cultures that have sun deities or built pyramids were not white cultures. Like when they're referring to light, it's not about whiteness. Many of these pyramids are in equatorial places. We're talking about light as heat, as radiance, as illumination of the light force and the action of love where we are shining that light. We're drawing down that universal light energy and shining it out on the world in a way that celebrates and recognizes and honors the dignity of all beings. Finally, I want to just note in terms of like shadow side for the sun card, it's important to note that even when the sun card appears reversed, the sun can't be diminished. The sun can be clouded over. It can pass behind the earth so we don't see it, but the sun does not disappear, right? The sun is light that keeps coming, even if we, our own vision is obscured. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, even just thinking about lightness and quotes as good and darkness as bad is so problematic because all of light comes out of dark. I also think that actually going into the shadow of the sun card with like spiritual bypassing, you know, we can see this when certain people in the spiritual community don't want to address their own privilege or don't want to address a larger system. And oftentimes we end up just seeing the dominant culture being reflected in the spiritual community as a microcosm, like don't talk about hard things or, you know, if you were more positive or something like that, then it it also goes into sort of corporate religion and where we're blaming the victim. Mm. If something bad happened to you, um, it's because there's something bad about you. If you're sick, it's because you're not thinking positive thoughts or all of these things. So yeah, it's really important for us to be critical on ourselves and also with other people where, you know, like even in witchcraft, like a lot of times I'll hear people refer to themselves as like a white witch Mm -hmm. as if witchcraft was inherently bad and they had to say they were white (laughs) slash good, you know, like there's no like white witches. I mean, I'm a white lady who's a witch, but it's just different. So I think that's an amazing shadow you brought up, Amanda. And, you know, we all have to be sort of doing the work of unpacking this and language absolutely is where we can begin. I wanted to talk about some sort of basic shadows and then just go into kind of another shadow I've seen with this card. We can literally just think about some shadows when this card comes up or if this card is reversed or if this card is um, really coming up. Like a lot of times clients will have problems with this card. You'll know you're sort of having an issue with this card and that you maybe want to look more into the shadow or more into your relationship and your shadow relationship with this card when you draw it and you don't feel joy. Like when you draw mm. it and you're like, huh, I don't know, or I don't know if I can trust this. And if there are other cards around it that tell sort of a certain story, this could mean blocked growth. It could mean limited thinking. It could be fear of trust and happiness, being stuck in shame, being unable to see past your guilt, not wanting to connect with your joy or to believe in the power of pleasure. A big one that comes up with my clients in this card when it's in like a shadow position or they're having issues with it is fear of being seen, Mm -hmm. like fear Mm -hmm. of being visible, fear of taking up space. I really want to name that because it's one I see over and over again. Also, when this card comes up, there could be the side effects of, in quotes, success, the side effects that come with owning your shine, of glowing unapologetically. The most, for me, one of the most surprising parts of being a slightly more visible person in the world, even though I'm super shy and super introverted, becoming more public and sharing my ideas and my thoughts and my work with more folks ends up leading me to encounter more trolls, more strangers attacking me with their projections, people who steal or try to steal my work, and fake friends who operate in a transactional way trying to steal my energy timer work. And I want to be really clear. I'm fully aware that this is also a side effect of capitalism, forcing scarcity mentality, forcing transactional relationships, and making all types of sort of people being afraid to be themselves or share the norm, right? Because people have their own stuff going on. So if this card is coming up for you around something in this zone, being afraid of success or having to deal with sort of more aspects of success, and I'm putting this in quotes because 
how I view success is like very uniquely my own and it has nothing to do with visibility or anything like that. I'm just leaving that there. I'm using success as like a code word of other people's perceptions. So if this is coming up for you or if you're the one who's being overly entitled to other people or something like that, acknowledge this and find a way to work through this. Try to become the sun yourself. Try to burn through with your own energy, with your own awareness, other people who are maybe serving as distractions for your encounter of your own brilliance. Bravo. Coacha. Okay. Well, so do you want to? You want to go? You want to go? I was I'll curious. <laughs> okay. Um, I just have three. Okay. Um, yeah. Just, I just thought, why not? I'll just do it short and sweet. Thinking, first of all, have you read that book, Half a Yellow Sun by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie? It's about the Biafrian struggle for independence. And one of the reasons I was thinking about that book is, first of all, it's got the word sun in the title and it's on the cover of the book. Also, because here the sun is about revolution. It's about shining in the book. It's really brilliant, beautifully written. And it's about these intellectual folks in Nigeria. Well, now it's Biafra. It was the eastern region of Nigeria. This class of intellectuals who was trying to establish its own independent state. Um, and it's just a really brilliant and interesting novel about resistance to domination and, you know, the cost of that. And also shining your light and giving your voice to that. Also thinking about, you know, the work of Penelope Imbrico. Have you heard of this artist? She does these pieces where she collects suns and sunsets from Flickr. And I wanted to read a quote from her. She began the Suns Project from Sunsets from Flickr in 2006 when she was looking for the most photographed subject. And she searched the website Flickr and found that sunsets were the most photographed subject in the world, basically. And she says, I thought it peculiar that the sun, the quintessential giver of life and warmth, constant in our lives, symbol of enlightenment, spirituality, eternity, all things unreachable and ephemeral, omnipotent provider of optimism and vitamin D, and so ubiquitously photographed is now subsumed into the internet. Is this warm singular object made multiple in the electronic space of the web and viewed within the cool light of the screen. What I think is interesting is just the idea that people just love the sunset so much. You know, I remember going to see it in Mexico and Oaxaca, and everybody goes out to the westernmost tip of Oaxaca. It's the westernmost tip of where we are in the Pacific. And they watch the sunset and then they clap. Yeah. It's, I've, I've you've done, done that? I've done similar things in other in Hawaii and like other places. Yeah, yeah. Like people just love the sun. And I think that's so beautiful. Mm. And then the final pop culture, this isn't really pop culture. <laughs> it's more like spiritual culture. But I'm thinking of sun gods, Helios, Jesus. Ama, I'm going to murder this name. Amaterasu, the Japanese sun goddess. Apollo. I love the goddess Sol, who's a Norse goddess, worshipped also in by the Germans as Sunna, who is also called Glory of the Elves, which I appreciate. Also among the Celts, she was called Sula or Sulis. Then there's Amun-Ra, Ra, Mawu, the Yoruban goddess of the sun and the moon, the Mayan sun god, Kine Ahus. 
The list goes on and on. Every culture has a sun god. So if you're wanting to invoke a little sun medicine into your life, you might want to select a sun deity from your own lineage because you probably have one. Nothing but the hits. Totally. Mine are really, I'm just going to, I don't really, I don't really need to go into any depth with any of these. It's, they'll be pretty clear. Some of them, most of them. Uh, Midsomar ways of seeing the brilliant BBC special by John Berger that's very much related to sight and interpretation of sight as illumination of power we can have access to. I could not mention, I was just going to leave this one here and not say any other ones. I could not mention Here Comes the Sun. I, I put that one too. Yeah, I, I mean, how could it. you not, <laughs> I love right? it so much. It's such a great song. It's a great song. Of course, I couldn't mention Sun Ra. Of course, yes. space is the place. We've got some Sun Song vibes with I Want to Break Free by Queen, Freedom 90 by George Michael, Be Happy by Mary J. Blige. The song Happy by Pharrell. If you listen to the lyrics, it's all about not letting people cut you down because you're just vibing really high on your own plane. And the song Thank You by the one, the only Alanis Morissette. I just wanted to end with some of the lyrics from that song. The moment I jumped off of it was the moment I touched down. How about no longer being masochistic? How about remembering your divinity? How about unabashedly bawling your eyes out? How about not equating death with stopping? Thank you. Yes, Alanis. <laughs> That's so great. You know, I was thinking when you were saying the happy song by Pharrell, which I love so much. It's such a great song. Did you ever see him when he was on Oprah? So he goes on Oprah with that song and she's like, I want to play you a little something. She plays this video of all these people around the world dancing to that song and like singing it. And he just starts bawling. It's going to make me start crying thinking about it. Because just the idea of creating this beautiful thing just about happiness and then like seeing all these people like in South America or in Mexico or in like Chile and in Antarctica, there were like scientists, like people in like Nigeria and South Africa and India and Pakistan, all singing the song about happiness that you made. And I think that's just such a perfect example of what it is to really let your light shine and like the humility of that too, because it's like coming through from grace, essentially. Yeah, very sun. It's super sun. Amanda, why don't you share some ways that folks can work with this card magically? Yeah, I mean, there's so many that are so easy to do. The obvious ones wear orange or yellow clothes, sun jewelry, get sunflowers for your altar or wear sunflowers or sun symbols. Those are all really easy. You can wear gold. We especially welcome you to wear antique or vintage gold to prevent unnecessary mining. Also thinking about working communally, organizing a gathering, celebration in general is a way to bring sun energy into your life. A couple more things. You can make sun tea, use the sun to extract the goodness from the herbs. In my meditations, when I meditate on fire or connect with that element, I like to feel or imagine, visualize the heat of the sun on the crown of my head as if I'm walking through a field and I let myself be nourished by that light. And often 
we think of it being easier to connect to earth because we walk on it every day or water, you know, we live near bodies of water, we drink it or the air we breathe, obviously. But we forget that fire also gives us life. It's through the sun, which we all experience every day and we can stand in its light and let it charge us. A couple more things. Set up an altar to a sun deity, visualize their light shining straight into your heart. And I also wanted to mention the Gayatri mantra. I am not a teacher of this lineage, but I give it to you here so that you might go find one near you to study with. Have you ever heard of that mantra? Mm-mm. Well, it's one of the oldest Sanskrit mantras. So it's both Buddhist and Hindu, but it's since traveled around the world, generously offered by the teachers of both traditions to people throughout the world. And in this Gayatri Mantra, when you call down the light of the sun to enter your heart, you visualize it coming into your heart and then shining out into the world. As the light enters your heart, enters your body, it's transforming you in love. And as you let that light visualize it shining out from your heart, you say, Oh, you who are the source of all light and all life, whose rays illuminate the entire universe, illuminate also my heart so that it too can do your work. Gorgeous. I love that so much. Yeah, uh, magically, obviously the sun evokes the element of fire, so you can work with fire. We've got lemons, sunflowers, sunstone, citrine, honey calcite, pyrite, quartz, All of these we can use in spells or ritual when we wish to evoke the energy of the sun. I also, little shout out, love the tincture that my friend Dory Midnight made with Adrian Marie Brown called Pleasure Activist. But the sun reminds us that we are powerful all on our own without outside ingredients. So I really think about focusing on energy magic if we want to work with this archetype. Earlier, When I was speaking about the shadow aspects of the card, I was talking about folks trying to extract from people shining bright. Now, Beyonce said, your best revenge is your paper. And I'm not going to argue with Beyonce, but I would add, best revenge is living well. If someone's trying to curse you, steal from you, you know, hex you, distract your energetic field, whatever that may be. I think the first misstep is to really sink down to that level and engage with that energy or even with the belief that it could harm you. I'm certainly a fan of protection magic. Don't get me wrong. I certainly am a big fan of energetic hygiene, 100%. But part of all of that is aligning yourself with the energy of peace, love, joy, vitality, sweetness, creativity, whatever it is that you're naturally interested in emitting, focus on that. Because as I said earlier, where your attention goes, your energy flows. Imagine yourself as a bright sun, glowing out beautiful rays of love and courage. Anything that tries to infiltrate your consciousness gets transformed to that consciousness and go about your day trying to focus on some joy, some pleasure, some erotic living, all of those things to kind of help you stay in that sun vibe. The other magical tool I wanted to talk about with the sun card that I feel like I would be remiss not to talk about is color magic. Woo! Woo! The sun is what gives our ability to 
interpret colors. The sun emits all the colors of the rainbow, Roy G. Biv, more or less evenly, which makes me think about using color magic. You can Color magic is like the easiest magic. You don't need anything, but you can use color magic when you get dressed, what you place around you in your home, what color lipstick you put on if you wear lipstick. You can meditate and imagine a certain color infusing your energetic field, indigo for higher vision, for example, or orange for creativity, for example. Oh, I want to give a shout out. I forgot. I want to give a shout out because I'm not a color magic expert. I just use it. But um, there's this witch named Sarah Potter, who I know she does a lot of workshops and writes a lot about color magic. So I just wanted to give her a shout out. Personally, I like to use an energy balancing meditation where I work with the rainbow as an energetic force field within my body. And I'll actually be sharing that with my newsletter subscribers in a week or two. So if you want to have that in your toolkit, you can become a subscriber and be on the lookout for that because color magic is uh, really effective. I think it's energy. What do you think about color magic? I love it. It's just what we have around us and it's really simple and it's a way to access the magic of light. So yeah, I'm all for it. And I love Sarah Potter as well. So yeah, you should check her out. She's got a great Instagram feed. So next week, tune in. We will be talking about the judgment card, leveling up, hearing the messenger and becoming your truest self. Yay. Witches in the coffee shop, witches in the dorms, witches in the hair salon, there's a witch wherever you are.